The topic today, college admissions with a guest from Siena College. This is Magic 590's Talk of the Town, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Our program's heard on Magic 590 and 100.5, plus on 1410 and 96.9 in the North Country. Joining us is Ned Jones, Vice President for Enrollment Management at Siena College in Loudonville, New York, near Albany. Siena has an enrollment, as I understand it, of about 3,200 students, and a specially large group of freshmen were enrolled this year. Can you talk about that? Yeah, that's right, Bob. Um, thanks for having me on this morning. This year's freshman class was the largest freshman class in the college's history. Uh, there's 841 wonderful first-year students joining us, and really, we're really excited about that. What does it cost to attend Siena? You know, Siena's um, the families look at it from two different perspectives. You know, at the sticker level, you know, if they just look at the prices listed on our, our website, you know, tuition, room, board, fees, you know, direct costs that they'll pay to live here on campus, it's just about forty. I'm sorry, about fifty-four thousand dollars. Yet, when we look at what families are actually paying after scholarships and grants and so on, it's closer to on average about $27,000 for a student who's living on our campus. You know, and part of that's driven by the institution's very long commitment to making Siena affordable, but a commitment that we've really ramped up in the last probably about eight to nine mm-hmm. years. Um, you know, one of the ways it's manifested is through what we call the Siena Guarantee, Yes, includes a $52,000 guarantee that over the span of your four years education, you're going to receive at least $52,000 in scholarships and, and grants from Siena College to, uh, to ensure that we remained uh, a very viable financial option for our families. Huh. Yeah, I've, I saw the, your advertising for that, $52,000 financial aid guarantee. And it's for all your students or everyone can t- take advantage of it, no, no matter, let's say, what their uh, parents make, if, if that's an issue? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it's for all of our first-year students, so students who are applying to come to Siena. Uh, we, we started this, I think this is our third year uh, of the guarantee. And essentially, every student who applies will receive uh, at least that over the span of their four-year education. We've also added into our mix um, a program that really is trying to help our families who are in the middle income brackets. We've forever done a phenomenal job with our families economically who are in um, you know, the area that would receive, say, for example, the Pell Grant, which is the grant awarded to, federal grant awarded to the neediest families in the, in the cycle. Mm-hmm. Almost 30% of our students are, are Pell students. Yet we were struggling with the middle and the better income families. And oftentimes the kind of average viewer uh, or average listener would, would say, geez, you know, a family with $200,000 um, income, that's a really wealthy family. Yeah. And, and particularly because our average adjusted gross income is at CN about one fifteen, hundred fifteen thousand. But we're noticing those families between about one hundred and fifteen to about 250 or so really struggling and when you look at the federal formula, that family of an, with an adjusted gross income of, of 200000 if they have four in the household, so two children, two parents, let's say, $50,000 in the bank, the federal formula would suggest that that family is prepared to pay $50,000 a year towards higher education. Mm. The average Joe would look at that and say, okay, that's not real. 
Um, you know, very few families are going to have that much discretionary funding in their household. And so we've taken our, our commitment to, to um, helping Sienna become affordable and really have pushed the envelope. And so if a family files for financial aid um, and, and the formulas say you have no demonstrated need, that family will become automatically eligible for our $2,000 St. Francis grant. Mm-hmm. And that's a grant that's really designed to help that better-income family um, to make a Siena education affordable as well. We're talking with Ned Jones, Director or Vice President for Enrollment Management at Siena College in Loudonville, New York. I mean, college keeps getting more and more expensive. And I, I know that in this state, the, the state university or the public university system has got some kind of uh, a deal going with, uh, you know, trying to keep uh, provide scholarships to more uh, more of their students and other schools do as well. In general, is college uh, pricing itself out of out of business? That uh, the, the cost of going to college is getting just too high. Yeah, if we don't stay attentive to the affordability question, we will price ourselves out of business. Santa's really proud of what we've done in terms of our net costs since 2008. You know, so the, the net tuition and fee costs since 2008 have gone up maybe a thousand dollars in that in that range of time, real money in, in 2019 dollars, and this this has been. A commitment by the college because our audience, 40 or 50 percent of them live right here in, you know, about a 70 mile radius of Loudonville. And our audience is not a wealthy audience. You know, the, like I said, the adjusted gross income for our, for our families is about $115,000 on average. And, and we needed to work so hard to keep our price affordable. You know, and in our backyard, our top competitors are amazing places, you know, University of Albany, Oneonta, Binghamton down the road even further, um, you know, where now if your family's income is less than 125, it's free, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've been very aggressive to um, be sure that we are remaining um, affordable, but also remaining extraordinary in terms of our academic program. And it's been, it's been, a, it's been a challenge, but I think this year's freshman class, the 841 freshmen, it's a good example of the markets responding, saying, you know what, this is a great price and a phenomenal product. Sign me up. <laughs> Siena's a Roman Catholic college affiliated with the Franciscan Brothers, one of whom typically serves as college president. Uh, Brother Ed Coglin, who was on this program once, uh, died at the end of July. Who heads the school now? Yeah, Brother Red was an amazing transformative leader. Um, he was probably the best enrollment president in all of higher education. He understood the market, he understood financial aid, and most importantly, he understood our families. And part of his contribution um, was a rebirth of our academic offerings. And his partner in that was our Vice President for Academic Affairs, Dr. Madden. And together, they brought online nine new programs. And a third of our freshman class are enrolled in those new majors this year. That did not exist five years ago. So Brother Red passed away on the 30th of July and um, stepped into his role as the interim president was the vice president for academic affairs. Her name is Dr. Maggie Madden, an extraordinary leader. And Dr. Madden is serving as the interim president through the, uh, through the year as the college is engaged in a search. As you might remember, Brother Ed had announced his intention to mm-hmm. retire uh, in the same mid-June. And so uh, we knew we were going to be searching for a new president. What we didn't ever dream or 
um, believe would happen is that we would be um, having Dr. Madden serve as the interim for the year. She's an extraordinary leader. Mm-hmm. Um, she's accepted a tremendous burden on her shoulders and has done it with, with grace and with dignity and, and kept the college, is keeping the college moving very, very quickly forward. Is it a given that the next uh, permanent president will be a, a Franciscan brother, or is that not a given? And, and, you know, that's probably one of the um, misconceptions in most of our search processes. I've been to Siena for 32 years, so I've been on board for several presidential searches. And the last two in particular, the final candidates were both Franciscans and lay people. Um, so it's an open search. Uh, it may be a lay person. It may be a religious person. Um, the provincial minister of the Holy Name province, so that's the province that our Franciscan order reports up through, has then um, Father Kevin Mullen, who's also our former president, Father Kevin has been very clear that the uh, bench is short of men in the order who are interested in moving on to you know senior level administration. Mm-hmm. And the order definitely has a much stronger um, uh, leaning towards uh, service with the poor and the marginalized, uh, education uh, in terms of direct contact. So, you know, he, he's he's cautioned our board, he's cautioned our community, and reminded us time and again that we need to be open to to a full search um, to ensure we get the best candidate for the college as we go forward. And the chair of our search committee, uh, Tom Baldwin, the vice chair of our board, has crafted, I think, a spectacular process for that for that search to result in, in an outstanding candidate. Now, this is just me, but I've always thought that Siena gets a boost with a college president who's not paid a six-figure salary as some college presidents and wears a simple garment and not high-fashion clothing. Do you think that's, that helps uh, Siena? Well, whoever is our next president must be someone who is um, spiritually Franciscan. Um, you, you can't leave this organization without fully embracing Franciscanism. Will it be a professed Franciscan with a simple garment? Who knows to that? Will we have the benefit of that presentation? Who knows? I can't answer that question. But in terms of spirit, and in terms of style, in terms of substance, this person needs to really appreciate St. Francis and what St. Francis stood for and how that comes alive on our campus. Well, I've got to ask you about that, but what does that mean to have a Franciscan spirit? For a, What does it mean for a college like Siena? Well, it's, it's interesting. So the, the Friars are they're probably the most important group of individuals in my life in terms of, you know, formative, as not just a, a professional, but as a person. And, and the lessons they teach me every single day start with this idea of, of service. And so, you know, I would have lunch with Brother Red probably three times a week. And when I talk about service, there's little ways that manifests itself. Like, you know, Brother Ed, don't clear my plate. I will take care of my own plate. He literally would clear the table, right? Mm -hmm. So people always think of service at that level. But when you think of it in terms of leadership, the the leader, the Franciscan leader, must see him or herself as the servant to others. And, And in terms of, you know, Ned Jones, the vice president for enrollment management, can only be the best he can be if I'm in service to him, giving him the tools he needs. And so really it has to be an other-centered individual. And, and that's how it comes to life in terms of our leadership style here. Um, you know, it, it has to be somebody who has, has a notion that um, 
we're not evolving to a secular institution, but hmm. rather we're constantly seeking to become a better Franciscan institution. Our guest is Ned Jones, Vice President for Enrollment Management at Siena College in Loudonville, New York. We've talked quite a bit about Siena, but let me ask you in general about uh, college admissions. What's been the an impact in, in your field of what's called the Varsity Blues admissions uh, bribery scandal. You know, it's funny. So the, the, the um, I think the Varsity Blues bribery scandal shows us that no matter what industry you're in, it's filled with humans, uh, humans who are prone to making horrible mistakes at time, right, and, mm-hmm. and doing bad things. Um, and, and so I think from the profession side of it, the admissions profession side of it, there was a a um, response that says, you know what, let's make sure we have our houses cleaned up and that we're being as attentive and we're, we're, we're behaving as transparently and as, um, you know, serving others in terms of access and equity um, as well as we say we should, you know. And so, so part of it was this reminder that, you know, this profession stands for access and equity, but yet this profession had the varsity blues scandal kind of knock at its doorstep. And, and, and um, you know, while no one in the admissions operations were ever cited in any of these cases, it came close enough that it was a good reminder that if we're standing for equity and, ex- equity and access, what are we doing to ensure that process-wise? Mm. And, you know, um, so it was that, that was probably um, overshadowed, though, by a much bigger issue that that has been brewing, which is the Department of Justice investigation of higher education's um, admissions practices. Mm-hmm. Yes, in fact, I was reading about that in a higher ed journal. The Federal Department of Justice has repealed some ethical guidelines in college admissions. What was repealed, and what effect is this having on college admissions? So, you know, the Department of Justice has had a multi-year investigation going on, and the profession decided that if we could try to um, respond to the investigation by repealing some of the ethical guidelines, maybe that would help to satisfy the Department of Justice concern. And it all related to um, issues related to fair practice um, um, in terms of um, uh, competitive um, consumer opportunities and so on, and, and restricting of fair trade, right? And so it's all related into that area. And so there was three big things that have happened, and each of them are going to be, um, you know, I think really strong for the consumer, um, explosive in terms of what it will do for competition. So the first one is the incentivizing of students who want to apply to one and only college early decision. So the old rule says, you know, you can't do any kind of a perk to get a kid to apply for early decision. Mm-hmm. They have to want it, apply ED, and then go. And so the profession's rationale for that was um, you should allow the student, only because the student fell in love with your school, to apply ED. The profession has dropped its requirement that you do no incentivizing. So there's a college getting all kinds of ink right now. And, and it's not because they changed. They have actually been doing this for several years, but now the light is on them because this particular college does things like allows a student to register for class if they apply early decision, allows a student to have preferential housing, things of that nature. You know, this could go, you know, imagine a big-time 
athletic program that's highly competitive to get into with an amazing, say, football program. And imagine if that school decided they'd incentivize ED applicants by guaranteeing a four-year seat to all those home football games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally, the rules are out. There's no mm-hmm. rules. You can do whatever you want on that one. So that that's going to be interesting for, I think, the most prestigious places with really big admit pools of mm-hmm. early decision candidates. Let, let me ask, though, has Siena started doing this? No, in our early decision admit pool is very small. Um, but even that, I'm not sure incentivizing a student to apply early decision is going to help the student make the right decision. You know, mm-hmm. In our business, if you're not about making helping a student with the right decision, you're probably making a mistake. Huh. So that's the first thing. There's two more things. Okay, go ahead. We've had a, a rule. It's not even a gentleman's agreement. We've just always agreed as a profession that once a student told us, hey, you know what, I'm going to University at Albany, Sienna would cease recruiting that student once that decision was made known to me. That's gone. So I can continue to recruit that student no matter what, hmm. unless he or she says stop recruiting me, which they do that right. by just saying, you know, unlist me. Um, and then the last one is, you know, we've always had this rule in place that once we know a student is enrolled at another four-year college, we would recruit them. And that rule is gone. And so I guess in the end, it's kind of the wild, wild west. Um, you can recruit anybody anytime with anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I read in this higher ed journal was that there's an association of admissions directors, and um, I guess the association, it sounds like they were wringing their hands over these changes. You know, they're wringing their hands, and in some degrees I'm frustrated because, you know, at the end of the day, institutionally you have to do what's best for your institution, what's best for your students. That always has to be driving every decision you make. And you also have to be in an environment that's highly competitive. You've got to be incredibly creative and aggressive but you can't ever, for me, working at a place like CN, I can't leave the ethical boundaries that, that form who we are. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of the hanging out there is because there's great change being thrust on us, and we don't know what it means. So, you know, like any profession, we wring our hands and we worry and we <laughs> criticize. Right. You know, I think of these changes saying, okay, what does this mean? What opportunities do I have? And what do I need to be doing to hold on to my kids better? Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question that relates to the people <clears throat> who are applying. Um, more colleges are taking what they call a holistic look at students to recognize unorthodox talent, and diversify their student body. Got that from a Glens Falls Post-Star article quoting uh Katie Zalda, who I believe is director of admissions at a Siena College, can you expand on that idea? Yeah, you know, it's so Katie. Katie talked about holistic admissions in the article, and you know, a place like Siena has to have always been holistic because of who we are. Again, as our a Catholic Franciscan college, really understanding the other, the profession is catching up to us. <laughs> you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, your grades, or I'm sorry, your courses are very, very important. The courses that you take and the grades that you earn and so on. But who you are as a person and how that forms who you are as a student is just as important. And so when we read a file, literally, you've got to read the whole file before you get to the transcript because you need to understand the who before you can start to dig into the what. And so who is this person? What have they done? Let me first understand the who, and you do that through a careful reading of the file and all the various questions that they fill in, the essays that they write, the counselor's recommendations to teacher's recommendations. You know, all that information they share, interviews, what have you, about who am I. 
and then what have I done? And together they make sense. But any one thing standing by itself, to me it's useless. It doesn't make sense. And so if I can bring the two together, which is what we do, um, I understand it much better. Do you require uh, your applicants to take the SATs and, uh, and other tests? Yeah, you know, we moved to test optional about five years ago. So they can submit the test scores. Or if they have a very specific program of academic studies during their high school years, they can opt to not submit them. Mm-hmm. So we do know that your courses and your grades are the most predictor, most a predictive element in whether you'll be successful or not. You've been listening to Magic 590's Talk of the Town with our guest Ned Jones, Vice President for Enrollment Management at Siena College in Loudonville, New York. Our program's heard on Magic 590, plus 100.5, and 1410 and 96.9 in the North Country. This interview will be podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcutmore.com. I'm Bob Cudmore.